Hey guys, and welcome to Personality Bingo with me, your host, Tom Moran. So this week on the podcast, we have the brilliant Simon James. Simon is a singer, he's a songwriter, he's a musician, he's a vlogger, he's a YouTuber, he does it all and he's an absolute gentleman to boot as you're going to hear over the course of the next hour. Me and Simon actually go weirdly way back to I think about 2011 where basically we entered this kind of battle of the bands thing. Uh, something I don't think I've talked about that much on the podcast. I was in this band, we were pretty good called Outside the Box um, with three of my best mates from home, Jamie Reynolds, Tiernan Buckley and Connor Buckley uh, and we were kind of great we, we, we you know we, we, we were I don't know we just wrote loads and loads and loads of songs I was the lead singer uh, and I played guitar and piano um, and we were kind of described we were reviewed in Hot Press uh, kind of on the back of winning this really big award that me and Simon actually collaborated on but it was the Irish Music Awards at the time we ended up winning the thing and uh, one of the prizes was to have our album reviewed by Hot Press uh, and it was described um, a stadium rock played in a garage the bastard children of U2 and the killers you know yeah, that's the kind of thing it was pretty epic sounding stuff um, and it, it, it was so fun and basically Simon had won the best song coming from me we won the best band coming from me and it meant that we got to perform one of Simon's songs it was super catchy it was called Cupid and it was this little uh, you know he talks about the, it kind of had like a Jason early Jason Mraz kind of vibe to it but it was like if I could be Cupid all this kind of stuff it was great it was really so and we kind of um, put it into our style a little bit more and uh, yeah we kind of just went and rock and roll and, and kind of rocked it from there and ended up winning the competitions that's where I met Simon since then Simon has kind of just um, been I mean flat out he's one of the hardest working people uh, I know and he's super talented to boot I mean if you see first of all his songwriting he's completely prolific I mean the tunes are completely catchy uh, and as well like the, the editing the production values and the stuff it's just all really 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 impressive uh, so I was delighted that he took the time to come into me in studio so without further ado ladies and gentlemen please enjoy the wonderful Simon James playing personality bingo with Tom Moran Simon James, ready to play Personality Bingo? I absolutely am. All right, here we go. So a quick explanation of how it all works. I've got 60 minutes on the clock. I've got 60 balls in here and I've got 60 corresponding questions. I've also given you a little sheet of paper with five numbers on it. Would you do me a favour and read out the five? Yep, it's four, nine, 22, 33 and 52. All right, I love it. Um, and would you do me another favour and pick a sixth number, something between one and 60 that's not already there? Uh, I'm going to go with 20. Three, just because it's my age. Okay, nice one. Twenty-three. I love it. I love it. Um, and I should say that if all six then numbers do come out, that means the tables are turned, and you get to ask me any question in the whole wide world. Sounds good. All right, sweet. Let's give it a spin. All right, here we go. First out the gate, we have it. It's fucking number twenty-three. Jesus. Oh my. Today, today is. I, I think you. You should also say whatever number this podcast is is also the same number as my vlog I have a, I have a very lucky feeling about today yeah I mean that is very true because uh, off mic we were just chatting Simon asked how many episodes we had out Paddy said we've had 88 out and this is going to be your 88th vlog yeah so yeah first number off the bat as well I have it so it's you never all, know it's all very serendipitous alright number 23 the question is when was the last time you said a prayer when was the last time I said a prayer mm. Um, last week Really? We, yeah, my family and I uh, recently moved uh, house into uh, 
my granny's house uh, in Fibsborough just kind of before Christmas. And my mum and dad decided to have the house blessed and we had a mass in the front room of the house. So uh, it was kind of, it, it was, it was, it was lovely. Uh, I'm, I wouldn't be massively religious myself, but uh, I did partake in it. And it was, it was kind of funny though, because my, my dad, my brother specifically was giggling at one point during the, uh, my brother's 12 years older than me, but he was, uh, he was giggling at one point during the gospel and I, I couldn't figure out why. And I was kind of sitting there saying, okay, let's, you know, just be respectful and yeah, this and that. And then at the end I was saying, what the hell were you giggling at? And he said, have you never seen Tommy Tiernan's skit on mass on the different types of priests? Uh, and I'll just leave it at that. If you go and watch that, you'll absolutely understand. It, like, word for word, it was the same gospel. Really? Yeah, so it was just it was just uncanny. But uh, it was lovely, though, and it was nice to have it done. And But yeah, it would have been about last week. Totally. What Was there any, like, you know, because when I think of, like, buildings and, like, mass or, like, you know, blessings and stuff like that, I think of, like, hauntings. Was there anything mm. like that to it? No. Okay. Not whatsoever. It's actually, it's, it's one of the most un- haunted houses I've kind of ever felt it like I, I genuinely would you, you know the way when you're just you're somewhere and it's eerie mm-hmm. there's just something about it never had that in this house um, like it was it was my mom grew up in the house like the house is 150 years old It's it's been in the family so it's it's a case of like I even kind of grew up there so it wasn't new to a certain extent obviously we had to renovate it because it was so old when we moved into it but it uh no I don't think it was I don't think it was for that reason it was it was more just just to kind of do it. What was it like moving house at this age? So I mean like um if if it happened at Christmas right so you've had like the good to twenty two twenty three years in your family home was it was there a sadness to like leaving that behind and the fact that now there's going to be new people living there? No, not at all. This is the weird thing. So I used to live in Ashburn and I lived there for about fifteen years. Uh, initially lived in Bowman. So this is my second time to move. Mm. Um and. Like, I regularly still travel to Ashburn and go out there and I'll drive by and not even look where I used to live. It's it's really odd. And I'm not the only one in my family that thinks that. It's just there's no, there doesn't seem to be any kind of sentimental attachment to the house, even though it's where I wrote so many songs and had so many other experiences. I would have my 18th there and all of these kind of things that are kind of, monumentous events but uh no i don't really don't really miss it at all i think it's because i love living in the city center so much more that location just meant more and then like wherever my family is is like without it sound cheesy is home for me i couldn't really care less so yeah it's it's that's pretty much the way it is for me yeah nice one all right let's give another spin cool all right here we go Next, we have number 38. Do you have it? I don't. No worries. Number 38. The question is, do you have any guilty pleasures? And uh, if so, what is the draw to them? Guilty pleasures? Um, God, I'm not sure. Like, I mean, I, I think mine are just very, very simple and straightforward. Like, I just love a good Netflix series. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I will happily, if I get the time, just binge watch. Uh, a, a really good kind of science fiction uh, Netflix series. Like I was recently watching uh, one of the new ones called The Innocents uh, and it was just really, really good. I'm mm. just like, that's that's. I'd say that's my guilty pleasure is just like a good L Netflix series. Just can't beat it. So, you know, the way we were talking off mic and we were talk- I was I was kind of uh, marvelling at like the... the um I don't know, the frequency at which you output content, like it's it's really impressive and it's all like really well produced and everything like that. So someone like that, um, 
I'm always interested in how do you take the time for yourself where you're like, okay, this is now time where the cameras are off. This is time where I'm I'm not recording. This is like my time where I'm going to, as you said, you know, binge watch a series. How yeah. do you do that? How do you work that? Um, I've actually recently had to have a whole kind of take a step back and uh, this is actually uncanny, but really look at that um, because it's, it's, it's the whole thing of like, when is enough enough? Um, of how much you decide to film or, you know, how many hours you work. Um, and I was listening to, we, we were talking about it off mic before this as well, was uh, that guy, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, I listened to his podcast a lot. And, you know, he has this kind of famous expression that, you know, there's 16 hours in a day. So you only need to sleep for eight. He was like, let's say you decide to work out for one um, maybe you work a job for another eight, you're still left with six or seven hours. He said, you can spend an hour of that doing Netflix, but he says, you have another five hours and it's what you do with those five hours. That really matters. And that's what I really look at. So if I'm doing something, I really try and maximize the time I spend doing that. So um, I just find generally for me, it's just like, it's 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 waking up early, relatively early um, every day. Uh, I, I can't remember the last, like my body clock won't let me sleep past half eight or nine o'clock now. It's it's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll get up early. I'll always work out um, if I can. And uh, I try and, you know, uh, make a to-do list, do do the videos that I need to film for my channel on that day. Um, and then like this evening, I have plans to go to the cinema. So I know there's a cutoff point at six or seven o'clock this evening when I, the vlog has to stop or the vlog can kind of keep going because that's just my life. But um, obviously there's moments that I don't film and and I suppose the beauty about it is I'm in control of that as well. Mm. So it's it's not like I have an editor that d- might decide to put something in that I'm like, no, I, I don't want that there. And like, I always say that like with my friends or whoever I'm vlogging with, like to always be super comfortable knowing that I would never put anything in it that they wouldn't want or like to, like to understand that I'm in control of it. So it's um it's it's a case of I decide. But I, I know it is a it is a difficult one to figure out though whether you know do i film this do i not should i take a break now when can i watch that thing on netflix or um but it's it's just finding that kind of balance i suppose and have you ever found like has the balance ever tipped the wrong way for you where it's come close to being like i don't know is the right word something like coming close to a burnout or experiencing anything like that oh yeah absolutely so um like i mean there's there's certainly times uh when i'm i'm learning more and more of of not taking on too much so, like, there's been definitely times where I've been, uh, you know, have a, a consistent upload schedule to YouTube um, at one stage. I remember at one stage it was uh, four videos a week, um, plus I was also touring schools in the country, plus I was working part-time um, just in a clothes shop. So I was doing 24 hours a week, three days a week in a clothes shop. I was the other three days, which were 12 to 15 hour days, traveling the whole country doing schools at you know performances talking on mental health cyberbullying that kind of stuff and then I was also in between all of that trying to balance making the videos editing them uploading them and trying to sort of maintain some sort of a a social life and having some sort of downtime and I remember there was points where I would uh, be have to be in Antrim for eight o'clock in the morning so I would leave at uh, about half four in the morning um because of traffic and stuff it takes about three hours and you need to be there got to set up I would do maybe four or five one-hour performances to different year groups, doing the talks and all of that. Um, it finish up at the end of the school day, half three, pack down the gear, uh, maybe eat something in the car as I'm driving home for another three hours, 
get back at seven or half seven in the evening. Um, and then I would know myself, okay, I haven't worked out today. I need to go to the gym. And I'd go to the gym, I'd come back, I'd have something to eat, dinner, sleep, rinse and repeat, basically. And um, I the problem is, though, I absolutely love it. Like, I, I, like that's, that's what I somewhat crave. But at the same time, uh, I had to be very mindful not to completely burn myself out. Um, and like that, you know, I'm now learning that, okay, I'm doing this and this. If I take on this, this thing, it's just gonna, it's gonna tip me over the edge and I won't like this. It's not good. And it's no point on getting to that extent. But, uh, I, I certainly try and do too much most of the time. As someone who talks about mental health in schools, which is something I didn't know you do. I think that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And as someone who puts uh, content onto the internet, um, you know, you're saying that, you know, you go and talk about cyberbullying. What is your experience of like being someone who puts like a lot of content out onto the internet, which is obviously, you know, can be a great place. It can also be a pretty fucking harsh place as well. Absolutely. What's your experience of cyberbullying? I've been very lucky. I would like to think, uh, I never really experienced it uh, to a certain extent, even though I'm someone that's always put themselves out there uh, kind of against the norm, uh, no more than yourself in terms of like, it's it's not the average thing to want to be a singer, a musician, an actor. And um, these are all the, the odd things that people want to do. Uh, and that's why not everybody does them. You know, everybody goes for sports or football. And um, I mean, I just, I was lucky. I had a good circle of friends that were just, they just kind of knew they were just understanding of that um and i just was very um i suppose you can put it down to um i was parented very well by my parents mm. in, in the sense that you know i'd like to think i have very good self esteem and have been brought up that way and you know uh, if i want to do something i'll do it and, like my dad would be the first person to tell me like that's shit like you know what i mean like you need to you need to figure that out or if i have a song and he, and he means it with the best intentions and always has um, and I'd always trust his opinion massively. So, you know, if I was ever unsure of something, I know he would tell me if it's, he'll honestly tell me if it's good, but he'll tell me if it's really bad as well. And I think that's that's also how I was able to to deal with it. But I think the, the irony of it all was when I did go to the schools and, and talk about those um, issues, um, like I probably, I think it was only then I actually started to get like hassle online from the kids um, the teenagers, I suppose, that I was speaking to, which I thought was kind of funny. But like at the end of the day, and, and, and I say this in the talk, I mean, I was very lucky that I would say 95% of everyone I would speak to like really got it, really appreciated it coming from me. I think they understood it better. Um, And like for the other 5%, that I suppose is the case of with everybody else in the world that, that you know, does that kind of stuff online. As I say in the talks, like, I just genuinely feel very sorry for them because it's, you know, the way I look on it is, like, you've got to be in a really, really bad personal headspace of your, like, yourself to be in a position to think that, you know, uh, saying something like that to somebody else or, you know, intentionally bringing somebody else's self-esteem down to make yourself feel better. Like, you're just, you're in a really, really bad place. And, you know, anytime I, I see a comment like that, even if it's towards me, um, instantly I just go, oh, I wonder what they're going through. What exam did they fail? What, who broke up with them? What's going on in their family home? And when you start having the attitude of looking at the comments like that, you you then uh, don't really get the, 
aggressive response that most people do like oh why are they saying that about me because you have to think well why are they saying it because clearly they have the problem and that's and i just do feel sorry for people like that and you know it it does it is difficult when you can't get that across that person but that's always the unfortunate way but um that's that's kind of my experience with it which is it pretty much just happened when I started giving the talks, ironically, but I kind of was expecting that. Yeah, totally. It was really interesting what you were saying about um, about your dad. And I even remember that from knowing you back in the day that you were really close. And it's an amazing relationship that you have in the sense that, as you said, he'll tell you when it's good, he'll tell you when it's bad. Mm-hmm. Are there times when you're kind of like, you have to kind of be like, whether he's it's a compliment or it's a criticism, where you just have to like, tune out and you're like you know what it is not helpful for me to listen to you right now like mm. I need to whether it's like I need to like let this go out in the world and be bad or, or whatever it might be have you had that experience? Oh absolutely yeah like 100% um, yeah I think what I'm trying to do more and more of and my uh, music manager suggested this to me that uh, he's based in London but I would frequently ask him should I do this or should I do this cover or should I try to write something like this and he's been telling me recently to just go and do it uh, and then show him afterwards because he doesn't want to influence the creative process uh, in a negative way. So, which has happened to me before where I'm I'm in the early stages of something and I'll show it to somebody and it's like, I can hear the end product. So I know how it's going to sound, but, but I show it to somebody too early and then they go, mm, I don't know, like I'm just... I'm not sure if I'm feeling that. And then instantly it cuts. I'm like doubting and, and going, oh God, well, maybe I shouldn't do it at all. So I think what I've learned is to try and and, and stick to your gut to a certain extent. Mm. Um, and then and then show somebody when it's finished. Tell them it's finished. Show it to them. And then if they like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. And then you can make up your mind what you want to do with it. But don't let them influence your own creative process too much because I feel that can be a negative thing. Yeah, brilliant, man. All right, let's give it a spin. All right, here we go. Number five, do you have it? I don't. No worries. Number five, the question is, as a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? A dentist. Wow. <laughs> no joke. The highest suicide rate of any profession. I know. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know why. It's it, it turned around fairly quickly, I think, when I realised the points that were probably involved in it when it came to the leave insert. But, and I mean, I was okay in school, but I wasn't of a... Of that caliber, as they say, but um, I mean, for me, uh, for me, it was always it was always something to do with performing. So I suppose there was a, there was always a part of me that wanted to be a dentist. I have no idea why. But then when I did get to about fifteen, it got real serious, and I kind of went, "No, music, music is what I want to do." Um, when I was really young, it was kind of dancing. I always used to say I was going to be like this dancing dentist or something stupid. I don't know. Ridiculous. <laughs> but anyway, because uh, I did all different styles of dancing for 10 or 12 years. Um, and uh, I just kind of fell into music as a result of dancing. Uh, and then the music just took over. it. But yeah, it kind of, I think it started out as like, I wanted to be a dentist, then a dancer, then a dancing dentist. And then it came to just musician. Yeah. So it's a pretty odd uh, circle. But yeah. Yeah, and uh, another thing, because I remember watching one of your videos and I think it was like five unusual things about you or something and, and I, I think I was peripherally aware of this, but you were an actor when you were younger. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I was one of them kids that kind of did everything. Yeah. 
yeah. But like you were like you you had like success. You were in big things. Yeah, I mean, when I was six, um, I got the role of playing uh, Cahill in the Veronica Gearan film uh, with Kate Blanchett and Brenda Fricker, and that was kind of when Colin Farrell kind of had his first major cameo role. Um, like you know, the film was directed by Joel Schumacher and and um, produced by Jerry Bruckheimer, like massive, massive names. Um, and there was little old, like little young six-year-old me. Uh, playing the part uh, after that then as a result of that like I landed a role then of playing um, Paul and Nicholas son Oshin in Fair City and I played that for about five years uh, and in between that I did two short films um, both Oscar nominated um, for best short films of the year and um, like one like one film I played it was written by uh, Roddy Doyle a brilliant story called New Boy um, it's actually on YouTube I think it's about two million views um, and it's uh it's all to do with kind of, I basically played uh, the role of this uh, kind of racist bully in inner city Dublin. Um, and like, re- it was a really, really kind of topical story. And, and unfortunately, probably always will be um, with the way society is. But uh, it was just, it's a, a lovely, lovely story. And it, you know, it, it all ends up with everybody being friends. And, you know, it's just a really, really nice story. It's only 11 minutes long. Um, so Is it something you can never see yourself coming back to? I've thought about it several times. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't think I'd turn down the opportunity, put it that way, but I'm certainly not looking for it just because I have so much else going on between YouTube, uh, my music, you know, all of that kind of stuff uh, and, you know, the different tours that I might be doing. So it's it's going back to the other thing is like, you know, when is too much, too much? When, when, when do you take on too much? So uh, at the moment, my focus is certainly on YouTube and music, but in the future... Uh, I'd love to do more films and stuff. So as a kid, you said that you were the kind of kid who did everything. Yeah. So already we've talked about acting, music, dance, um, you know, YouTube now is this new thing, the vlogging, all this. What is it like fundamentally? Because that's been going on since you were a kid and that's still going on now. And by the the looks of it, it's not something that's going to stop. No. What is it fundamentally within you that drives you to do so many different things? Um... I I think it's because I'm I don't know I think I'm just I'm unusual I'm probably I'm OCD in certain ways and it's like if I'm going to do something I want to be the best at it and I don't mean that in the like kind of a I don't know narcissistic is the right word to use but like it's you know it's just one of them it's just the way I'm kind of wired that you know if I'm going to dance I'm going to you know when I I started hip hop and break dancing when I was 8 by the time I was 11 or 12, I was on a, a crew and we represented Ireland in the World Hip Hop Championships in Las Vegas. Wow. So, like, it's just one of these things that, like, if I'm going to do something, I want to be really, really good at it. And, you know, I also am aware of the things I'm not good at and I quit them quite quickly. I can kind of figure out where my strengths lie. Um, and, you know, sometimes I end up spending a ridiculous amount of time wasted on something as a result of just being, you know, another kind of famous quote that I like to, you know, use is there's a fine line between perseverance and delusion. So, uh, you know, sometimes it's they cross, but it's for me, I just I kind of I just want to be kind of good at the things that I do. And and then specifically at the moment with like YouTube and music, I mean, I, I have always been fascinated by, you know, like the films that they make on, like when One Direction release um, a film or Michael Jackson did, uh, Justin Bieber released a film. And it's like the entire behind the scenes look at your idols. 
Um, I always often think if you can, if you pick your your favorite songwriter, your favorite musician, your favorite band, and if I was able to tell you, okay, they actually have, uh, you know, two hundred and fifty daily vlogs that they did of two years of of the beginning of their band uh, when they were recording all of their major hits. I mean, wouldn't every single fan of theirs just be obsessed about watching that? And, you know, it just clicked with me that there's not a lot of people doing that, uh, especially I don't feel in the Irish market. And for me, I was like, why shouldn't I document everything? So, you know, if hopefully it gets to a stage where I do get to start to get some traction that, you know, you can go back. And like from a personal level, I think it's really cool also, regardless of everything else, to be able to go back to a year from now on a particular day, a particular trip to wherever I went to. I mean, I went to uh, Milan there a few months ago and, and, and vlogged it. Like, you know, it was really cool. I got some really cinematic shots and it's a it's an eight or nine minute vlog, kind of a, a summary of that, of that feeling, that trip. And um, I'll be able to look back on that. And like my, hopefully someday, grandkids can watch my vlogs and see what I was like as a 23-year-old. Like, I just find that whole thing fascinating. Um, and I guess that's why I do that. But but back to the other point of just, yeah, I think I just like to be really good. You know, and, and I, I'm, I'm a bit firm believer of working hard at something and the hard work will always outweigh anything else. So it's like if I'm not good at something and there's a lot of things I'm not good at, you know, I spend hours upon hours getting better at it yeah there's no doubt like you even just the, it's so obvious that you're such a hard worker which is so, like it's one of the most attractive qualities I could be working harder though but <laughs> yeah no sure and like look sure but like as you said when's enough enough you have all this thing and it's one of the most attractive qualities in a person I think in my opinion is there a fear that like and because it's one of the things society teaches us because um, I consider myself a hard worker as well right and um it's one of the things society teaches that like hard work pays off. Mm-hmm. Do you ever think about what if it doesn't? And do you ever think about like all the time you've spent doing this and then you're like, what the fuck if I wasted it? Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I did a, um, I recorded with uh, a producer called Philip McGee a couple of years ago. He did all the Coda Lines albums. He's working with the Blizzards right now. Great. And he told me a really good expression, which was, uh, I think I think I said to him in the studio at one point, I was like, look, I just hope with this song I get lucky. If I get lucky, I'll just, it'll happen. And he said, ah, there's no such thing as luck. And I was like, what are you on about? And he said, uh, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Right. Uh, and I definitely believe that. I mean, do I think all of this um, work I put into all of everything I do, uh, if it doesn't pay off, will be wasted? No, I don't think so. Because I also believe that you know, there's every possibility that I'm not going to be what I would aspire to be in the sense of if I'm not going to be the next main artist or the front of it, the fact that I'm a songwriter, I don't mind being the silent millionaire walking down the street who wrote, you know, those 20 pop songs that nobody even knows or or knows that that person wrote them. Um, and it, not that it's it's not about money, but it's, you know, it's it's for the love of it. But, you know, it's um, it's certainly, it is certainly something I think about but I always think of an alternative. So I'm like, okay, I've spent so many years figuring out YouTube. Okay, it didn't work for me, but I'm, you know, extremely capable now with camera equipment, video editing. Um, could I turn that into a business and do it for somebody else as an editor? Yes. Uh, like, I always just look at the alternative avenue. Okay, well, I've learned this. So how can that be, you know, applied to something else, even if it doesn't work directly for me? 
um, which has, you know, it's definitely happened. Mm. So um, I, I, I now do kind of video work for, for other people. Yeah. Um, I was in London last week filming a wedding band. So it's, you know, and a lot of work, but I loved it. Yeah. It was good fun. And if I hadn't have spent the crazy amount of hours that I do on YouTube, figuring out, teaching myself how to edit on these softwares, looking at cameras, knowing what angles look good and what don't. Um, it's the whole thing of, you know, uh, what's that thing of, you know, you spend 10,000 hours and something to kind of master it or whatever. Um, yeah, so I, I never feel anything like that would be wasted. Sure. So then in terms of, that was really interesting as well, what you were saying, like having that uh, ability to kind of zero in and what, what you're good at and what you're not good at. What are some of the things that you haven't been good at and you flagged it and you're like, right, this is something that I need to like quit or I'm happy to leave behind? Graphic design, I'm shocking. So uh, like I've designed one or two websites for myself just turned out shite I just can't do it don't know what it is can't get my head around it I recently released two singles I did the artwork for both of them I'm very happy with the artwork but they took me weeks like I mean just I just can't uh, I, I always end up putting too much on it and, and not coming back to you know the whole less is more thing and uh, and it's just like finding the right font. And I said as my manager, I was like, I just literally, I, I at the time, just, you know, I didn't really, they were kind of being brought out as surprise singles. It was very last minute. So I just didn't have time to get in touch with a graphic designer. Mm. It was something I needed to just kind of be working on and try and do myself. Because um, I do try and do as many aspects myself as I can. But like, I do know where I'm not good. I know I'm not good with graphic design or like web design um, or just in general, like, you know, music production you know, I can get by, I make huge YouTube covers and uh, I can demo songs. But when it comes to like getting them to like a radio quality, like, no, I wouldn't go near it or even attempt. I know that's where I got to pay somebody else. And I think it is important to know the aspects that you do need help in and be have the humility to kind of be like, no, nah, I'm just shocking at this lad. Somebody needs to give me a dig out here. So uh, and I frequently do that all the time. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. Right. So let's give it another spin. Perfect. All right. Here we go. Number 52, do you have it? I do. Ah, oh, sweet. Jesus, man. This is pretty good. And the last two numbers as well were like one off the ones I have. Okay. So, so like, we're in the ballpark. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, here we go. Number 52. The question is, uh, what is one thing that you wish you could change about yourself? Um, ooh, One thing I wish I could change about myself. Uh, I don't... I, I actually... Do you know what? I think I wish I could be more just re- generally relaxed. So, like, I just, know, like, my brother is so carefree, <laughs> and I know loads of other people that are just, like, they're almost, like, horizontal, like, they're just comatose. Now, I don't want to be that extreme, but sometimes I wish I just, you know, could just not care. Yeah, switch it off. Switch it off. Just be like, yeah, it's grand. Sure, look, if I'm late, I'm late. If, if this happens, it happens, or... Whereas I, my mind is always running 100 miles an hour of thinking of the next thing of, it's like, okay, well, I'm doing a podcast today. It's like, okay, I'll vlog today. I've the title and thumbnail kind of already brewing in my head. Like as we're talking, it's like I go back, I have to film two more videos to schedule. And it's like this, it's just this constant. So it's like, I think I'm going to go see The Nun in the cinema tonight. So it scares the shite out of me. Hopefully that will not relax me, but at least it'll take my mind off of everything else. So that's the plan but yeah I think if I could just relax a little bit more just chill out uh, I'd be I'd be happy sure what does um... and not that I'm not happy but you know what I mean I, I remember I went on a holiday years ago with the family and we went on a, like a boat in Turkey no Wi-Fi no phones uh, you lived on the boat for a week 
And I think it was the most relaxed and calm I have ever been just purely because no distractions, no social media, no nothing. And I love social media, but like just the, the, the piece was like incredible. Mm. Um, expensive to replicate that though if you wanted to do it regularly but you know what I mean I know well I, something that I think about sometimes with um, and like I, I would be less so than you but even with doing say something like the podcast like the main way this probably gets out is Twitter um, for me that's probably the, the social media platform that I like the most um, so what I, but I and like you know with Facebook I kind of feel like oh there's reasons that I'm there like sometimes I'll see stuff that's useful the odd time you might see someone putting up something about an acting audition you know these things Instagram I kind of just like and I you know I don't read it I don't feel like it stresses me out that much but do you ever fantasize that if you didn't need you know if social media wasn't such a part of you know the entertainment industry the way it is now do you ever fantasize about just deleting it all or would you always be on social media even if you were the dentist um I think if I was being honest I think I'd only be on YouTube mm. Honestly, like YouTube, I don't watch TV. haven't watched telly in years. I just don't. Um, you know, I just follow vloggers and different entertainment channels on YouTube or how-to channels, and that's what I'm interested in. Um, so, like, if you can classify YouTube as a social media, I mean, that, that would be the only one I would ever have. Uh, I like Instagram. Twitter, like, I don't know what it is. Like, I just don't naturally gravitate towards Twitter. Mm. Um, I'm probably better with pictures and video than I am with words. Yeah. Um, and Facebook, like, I mean, I don't know what it was. I think I uploaded a cover like a year or two ago on Facebook and like <laughs> my music page is fine, but they like completely deleted and banned my personal page for copyright infringement just because I posted a cover. Like it's ridiculous. So I have a real sour taste towards Facebook. I, I use it. I had to create a new page, but like I lost years of, you know, tagged photos or whatever. Like my old page just doesn't exist. I have a new personal page, but it's purely just to be an admin of my Facebook page, which I use all the time um, and share anything onto it from YouTube or, or Instagram. But like, yeah, I mean, I don't know, probably it'd be just YouTube. Mm. Yeah. 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 It's kind of just out of necessity that I have to use the others. Yes. 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 I totally get you. It's fascinating how that's something that just did not exist you know, mm. in the past. So, you know, if, right, so let's just say that you were born in like 1975 rather than 1995, right? 20 years earlier. So, okay. and you were trying to make it in the in the music industry, you were trying to do this thing. Mm -hmm. You, so like the, the Instagram thing, all the social media stuff, the YouTube, that wouldn't be an option. What like, how different do you think it would, would look, do you think it would suit you better or suit you less? Um, I think it would suit me less uh, I think the beauty about today's kind of uh, current state uh, on the internet is the fact that I can kind of design the lifestyle that I want to have. So, like, I can essentially be, you know, a global YouTube sensation. Uh, please God, hopefully one day. But, uh, like, just hypothetically, I could be. And never have to leave my house. So, I mean, I do like spending time with family. I like spending time with friends. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not entirely sure whether, you know, being away for three or four years of touring is is something that I would have necessarily been cut out for. So I, I do think it definitely works in my favor mm. that I don't have to be, while I love being out in the road, I, I think having 
the mixture of both is nice. So it's nice to be, I mean, the likes of uh, Michael Bublé, I think, is the king like of that. He, as we all know, comes out of his box at Christmas and then once or twice, maybe other times of the year, plays a few stadiums, but he lives in Italy with his family um, and like has a lovely lifestyle out there. And, you know, that'd be something I would kind of almost aspire to at some stage, you know, to, to be able to show my life online uh, and, you know, grow doing that without really having to leave my family and friends behind physically uh, and have to be out touring and being told by a record label that you need to go here, here, here and here. Whereas, you know, I think nowadays every social influencer and any kind of musician that has any sort of a following hold all the cards because they don't need any external help like they have their own like record labels are primarily for distribution Mm -hmm. of music so we all now have that i mean i have a i upload straight to spotify i don't need a record label to do that for me yes if i wanted to have my cds in a shop that's different but no one buys cds anymore I mean, yes, it's kind of a fad of people wanting vinyl and tape, um, but like, like, like anything, it's only really a fad. I think it's probably going to disappear in another few years, and I just think digital is just streaming. It's just where it's at, and at the moment, like, it's you can be fully self sufficient and not need the help of anybody else. So it was interesting what you said there about um, as you can kind of like pick your lifestyle. And that's fascinating to me. Also, it's one of the things that people talk about on social media, and especially when it comes to, like, mental health on social media, it's that, well, you know, you see someone living, like, their best life, to use mm-hmm. that phrase, and then it's like, well, they're they are choosing what they want you to see. They're they're picking, you know, the, the like, you know, 10% that, that looks fucking great. As mm-hmm. you said, they're, they're, like, they're not picking the, the job in the clothes shop, or they're not, I mean, or they're not, what, what whatever the fuck it is, you know. Do you ever feel a response? Responsibility to show the kind of shit side of your life. Not the shit side, but you know what I mean? The other side. Yeah, I actually had a chat about this with my manager the other week. I just I just was having a shit day. Like like everybody does every once in a while. Just things weren't really going well for me. And uh, he turned around and was like, did you vlog it? I was like, well, why would I vlog that? And he was like, because it's the truth. And I was like, hmm, makes sense. Uh, and I am going to try and make a conscious effort of that. But... I just, I suppose, me personally, I love watching positive content. I love anybody that's spreading positivity. I think it's super important. That's what I draw towards and that's what I try and promote. But then I do need to take cognizance that it's not always the case. And then I also am aware that, you know, uh, I, I did see comments like on some YouTube videos and of mine. And I was like, you're always so positive. You're always so happy, upbeat, energetic. Like, I'd love to be like you or I'd love to be that way. And, like, sometimes I do feel like saying, but I'm not always like that. Right. Uh, and it isn't normal to all, like, nobody is like that. Uh, it's it's okay to have a kind of a day where you're just, nah, I just want to, I just want to binge watch a Netflix series and just be lazy. And that's okay. Um, so I do, I do think um, that it is important to show that aspect. And it's certainly something I could probably do do more of I mean I did it I am doing it because like I did a cover a couple of weeks ago uh, a Michael Jackson cover I just did it raw and acoustic and I was just sitting I just put the camera on my desk and I was sitting performing and I kept making mistakes uh, and I was like cursing and swearing and it was just I was getting real thick like and I was like I looked at the footage and I kind of chopped it 
to all of the like parts where I'm roaring or kicking a table or whatever it was and I put them in the end of the video uh, and I got a great response to it because I, I was just showing people that like yes you see this pristine well finished well edited the sound is super high quality but I was like that took me like 20 fucking times to get that and I was like there's all of the takes at the end and, and I did get a, a funny response to it and I think it's important that I probably show more of that and so do other people. You trained at BIM mm. um, for songwriting or performing? Songwriting. Do you... What... what mm, I trained in drama school. S- some actors feel like... Especially funny. So like someone like you, I didn't... I didn't... Um, I was, even when we would have met, I wouldn't have done any acting up until that point. I, I wasn't like someone who was in stage skills and I'd never done dance classes, which is something I probably regret, but it was just the way that I grew up, I suppose. Uh, some actors regret going to drama school because they feel like it can take the edge off them a little bit. It changes their practice. What's your relationship to your training in songwriting? Um, I think it was the best thing I ever did because it showed me uh, I was nowhere near good enough. Basically, I, I walked in and... Uh, excuse me I remember I think it was the first it was like the induction day and I can't remember where they ha- they held it but they brought on the kind of the fourth year bands at the time or some of the top bands from the college and they performed original music right. and straight away I was just in awe of the quality the how well rehearsed everybody was how professional it was um the song, the way it was written, the structure, um, like it was honestly incredible. And straight away, I just knew I had so much work to do. And then I just made it my business that, you know, you know, BIM had become this healthy, competitive environment for me where, you know, we would have to write songs each week. And, you know, sometimes you might have liked it be like, okay, 15 minutes, here's the brief. Come back with a song and you go off in groups and like one group would always come back with this incredible song with serious harmonies and, you know, like stuff that you would think would take hours. And like you eventually get to that stage. But like I just used to use that every single time. I'm just oh, I got to get better. I got to get better. And then like they would have they hold these kind of like gigs a couple of times a year in like the button factory in Whelan's and stuff like that. And basically you audition with your band. Uh, you have to put a, a band together and, um, you know, original music or covers I obviously always went for the original music and would write and perform that and you know I got picked for a couple of the gigs and that was the incentive as well to like keep pushing and you know I I didn't get one or two of the gigs and that was an even bigger kick it was that gave me more motivation to be like okay I need to get the next one so I need to write a cracking song I need to make sure the arrangement is on point I need to really you know direct the band properly professionally show that that I'm putting the work in and it just made me way better um honestly yeah 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 that's amazing well let's give it another spin because uh, I keep getting you talking but we need to give you a chance to get these numbers out <laughs> alright here we go oh my god talk about technical difficulties <laughs> there you go. go here we go number 39 do you have it I don't no worries number 39 the question is what is your biggest downfall when it comes to being healthy Chocolate. Yeah. Oh, hands down, chocolate. I don't, well, I say I don't have a sweet tooth, but technically I know there's a lot of sugar in chocolate, but like, it's, I, if you, you could stick a, a table of jellies in front of me right now and I just wouldn't have an interest in nibbling them mm. on any, I wouldn't have any, Um, but if you put chocolate in front of me, that's, that's my downfall. I'm going to say chocolate and like, I just love pizza. Chocolate and pizza 
in terms they're definitely uh, and then obviously like probably every once in a while I like to have a few drinks and that's probably a, a negative thing as well but in general like I, I'm quite regiment with my diet and it's not that I watch what I eat but like I'll probably consistently I, I like a routine I'll consistently eat the same thing mm. like every day as much as I can like like my breakfast and lunch probably never change what are they uh, breakfast is always like a smoothie just because I need something quick so like this morning I had a smoothie which was uh it was a banana, um, protein milk, uh, two scoops of like the quick oats, some natural Greek yogurt, some blueberries, spinach, uh, peanut butter and frozen strawberries. Blend it all together and I would probably have that like nearly every morning. Mm. Uh, if not, I would have some porridge or something and then lunch always consists of like something with eggs. I love eggs. So if it's like scrambled eggs and turkey rashers or an omelette or something like that. Mm. Uh, and then dinner is whatever the mother has for me. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So the old, you know, veg, uh, veg and meat and mash, yeah. uh, which can't go wrong with. And then I just try and work out like if I can, if I can exercise every day, I will or do something active, I will. So um, like this morning before this, I, I did a five kilometer run and it was horrible. Didn't go well. Haven't worked out in a few days because I was in London on the weekend. So um, it kind of knocked my routine out and uh, I felt I felt quite difficult but uh, I got it done that was the main thing but yeah chocolate and pizza right because you're in you're like as in you're in really good shape just from following you on Instagram and stuff like that you're in excellent shape is that, I try it, to keep it that way anyway yeah no 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 I mean it, like you would be so is that something how um, like is that some is that a conversation that for example you have with a manager or for example like let's just say right there's a universe where like you start having too much chocolate too much to drink too much pizza whatever it is you start putting on weight you know you lose the six pack whatever it is and is that something that like you know a manager will have to say Simon I'm not sure this is the right way to go with the image or something like that um I think I'm like I genuinely feel I'm very lucky. I have a super high metabolism and I I can actually kind of eat what I want um, and not really physically change too drastically. Mm. Um, I'm just lucky, I guess, with my my makeup. But um, I mean, I, I, I don't think that would ever happen for two reasons. Purely because one, I wouldn't I wouldn't allow that happen because I find working out and staying fit and healthy like it's it's such an important part of like just being healthy like mental health like I do exercise for my mental health and honestly nothing else the physical benefits are phys- like they're just benefits to it um I don't see them I don't do it to to get at one stage I did you know like that you'd be looking at Instagram and go oh, I want to look like him so I started going to the gym but you know in hindsight I've started working out more now of doing the things that make me feel good so like you know you would hear a lot of bodybuilders you don't hear any bodybuilders that run mm. So there's a reason for that and, you know, you can get really technical about it, but I've just started not to care about that. It's if I'm feeling good, that's all I care about. Right. So like I, I, I run very regularly now um, and I still lift weights in the gym as well. And I, I haven't really changed, but because I run so much, I'm never going to get big or, or, or turn into a bodybuilder. But that's OK with me because the running I find is, is what keeps my my, you know, my heart fit and my head good mm-hmm. um, and then like I suppose I'm probably just a little vain so I just like I, I think that's important that you have to be though you know you gotta you gotta love yourself to a certain extent um, and it, you know I often 
I really firmly believe as well with with this whole because it's it can be a very very touchy subject you know about working out and people's weight and people get very sensitive and I know there's been all sorts of controversies about different companies and stuff that uh, charge more for you know plus sizes in mm-hmm. clothes um I, I don't know was that new look or something recently they they had an awful lot I, I I don't really know a whole lot about it but I just thought I briefly heard something on the radio but at the end of the day I suppose I think people need to understand that the message of working out in fitness is it's not to have a six pack or it's not like it's it's so important to have your mental health in check and that is one thing that undeniably helps and there's like so much research to say that and it's only until you really do it that you kind of go why the hell haven't I always been doing this? Like, I just, you instantly feel like better. Like there's nothing, there's no better feeling than like endorphins just flowing. And uh, I just, I just love it too much to ever not, like I end up feeling groggy and down when I don't work out. So I haven't worked out the last few days. And while I didn't want to get out of bed to work out this morning, I already know straight after I felt class. And that's, that's the reality of it. Yeah. Sweet man. All right, let's give it another spin. All right, here we go. Number 20. Do you have it? I don't. No worries. Number twenty. To See, twenty-two. I have. See, I'm. I'm really close. Like all of these numbers are ridiculously close. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. We're teasing you. Um. Okay. Number twenty. Uh. All right. Here's a good one. Actually, what is the biggest misconception? I have it as blank, but I want to ask you, what is the biggest misconception about you as being like a, a YouTuber? Um. Who? I would say the biggest misconception. Um. I'd probably say it's it's going back to what we were talking about is that I always have this like incredible amount of energy. I'm always super happy. I'm always like doing mad stuff. Um, I'd probably say it's that. Mm. The fact that I just seem to have this abundance of positivity and, and I would like to think I do. But obviously like that, there's a certain amount of me that doesn't. Uh, and it's that's where I'm, I'm human and I'm normal. And it's it's fine and everybody's like that. But I can only imagine it's probably something like that. Either that or, um, you know, I'm sure there's some people that probably think I'm very, like, obnoxious. The fact that I walk around filming myself. But, like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but it's funny. I've actually, I've, I've not thought you were obnoxious. I have thought about, like, for example, if you're doing an Instagram story, like, in the middle of the road, like... Do you have a self-consciousness about doing that? Oh, I hate it. Do you? Oh, I hate it. I actually, last uh, last weekend when I was flying back from London, I uh, the wedding finished so late, so I decided to just go straight to the airport. And I went to the airport about half two or quarter to three in the morning and my flight wasn't until half six. So I had quite a bit of time in the airport in the middle of the night. Uh, I was exhausted from a really long day of filming and I was just like filming other people, not filming myself for a change. But I was like, right, sure, look, I may as well film a Q&A video. And I put out a thing on my Instagram of ask me questions and I gathered up them questions and kind of had them for a rainy day. Mm. So I was like, right, it's four o'clock in the morning in Luton Airport in London. Uh, I'm going to go find a spot and record this Q&A. And I was really conscious. Like I was filming things in the airport and instantly like an airport is obviously like, especially this time of year when people are going on holidays and there's people that probably don't fly regularly can be very nervous to see somebody walking around filming aspects of an airport. Uh, You know, all sorts of assumptions could be thought. But anyway, and then I kind of found a a quiet-ish area and I sat down and like there was people walking by me and like they were looking at me and I was just, I kept thinking to myself, it was, I heard something else. It's like the more you expose yourself to a fear, you know, the less you'll be fearful of it kind of thing. Um, you know, like with heights or whatever it is. So obviously mine is the 
uh, you know, I suppose it's it's people's opinions of what I do in public. Mm. Um, and I'm just starting to kind of care less. And I think that's really important. And I think the only way of doing that is doing it more. Mm. So I'm just trying to just not care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet. All right, I love that. Okay, let's give it another spin. All right, number 54. Do you have it? I don't. No worries. Number 54. Do you believe in love at first sight? I do. Yeah? I do, yeah. So <laughs> you're like, okay, elaborate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I do. Um, I mean, I I currently have a girlfriend and uh, we, I suppose went from you could say zero to 60 very quickly um but it wasn't anything that was scary or uh anything that i me or her were were uncomfortable with um and i do think it's it's awful cheesy but like when you know you know um and like i'm fully aware that like i'm young and she's young and and everything and anything can change but i do certainly believe there is something that's you know i mean when my parents were my age they were married really yeah, so, uh, and I suppose that's a case of a lot of our parents' generations, that that was kind of the norm. Yeah. But, you know, my, my mom and dad would sometimes look at me with 10 heads, but I'd answer, I'd be like, yeah, but you were married when you were my age. And they'd be like, oh yeah, okay, fair enough. So, um, but I do, I do think it's a thing, yeah. Mm. I, I think it's, uh, you, you do just know. So what was, you said you guys went from zero to 60, so what did that look like? What did that look like? Um, I don't know, it was just a case of... It, it just it just became very very normal. It was like it was like a a, a friendship formed even quicker to a certain extent. It was just mm. like suddenly I'd got a new best friend. And when did you, like where did he meet and stuff like that? Uh, <laughs> she laughed at this one, but um, she like a hundred percent just like slid into my DMs <laughs> and like that is no word of a lie and just messaged me on Instagram once and uh, I think I don't think I took too much notice the first time. And then she messaged me again about two or three weeks later. And then I was like, okay, right. She's quite interested. So it's like, let's go on a date. Uh, and we went on a date and kind of, I suppose, from there, the rest is pretty much history. Yeah. So was that like effectively a blind date in that sense? It was. Yeah. I was terrified. Um, like I'm not the tallest guy on the planet. So I'm always very like anxious that like, you know, social media can be very deceiving um, I'm sure I look taller on my photos than I actually am and it's even like so a lot of people look shorter or taller or whatever way it is and uh, I just remember like thinking to myself if this girl is like 5'11 I am snookered but uh, thankfully she's not so yeah. she's uh, she's literally my height or a little bit smaller so Right that's really interesting because it's interesting what you say about like sliding into the DMs or whatever because obviously with such a strong like Instagram presence and you know is in as well going doing the school tours and stuff like that and what what whatever the thing is but like is that something that happens a lot I suppose like just um it it is and it isn't like it's uh yeah I mean yeah it certainly happens but I I can be honest and say like I do get more I do get more messages just of like, especially when I was on school tour, like, the amount of messages I got, uh, you know, in, in my DMs that were just people just being very grateful for doing what I do. Like, they loved the show that I put on. They loved the talk and, like, it really helped them and, you know, they're going through some stuff. And, like, honestly, like, some of the messages I got, I was, like, absolutely, like, taken back by uh, and wasn't expecting it. Mm. But, like, you know, teenagers, they don't get enough credit uh, they're like very in tune with what's going on and you know they really you know they're very a, a lot of them are quite mature for their age and really understand all of these 
issues that I do speak about and know what goes on and and it happens to a lot of them and and they were just a lot of them were just very grateful that there was somebody like me that that was going out and and talking about it and you know sticking it up to the people that were giving them stick you know mm. yeah i mean is it something as well that have you ever <laughs> i remember I think it was one of the One Direction boys or something like that. But I remember there was like talk of like that they were asked to like, you know, break up with the girlfriend or something like that because that didn't fit with the image. Is that ever something that you're like cognizant of? Because obviously like one of the demographics, I assume you're like, you'd be like, you know, targeting like a young audience. Like, Yeah, I mean, I think it's 79% of my Instagram followers are females between the age of kind of 13 and 17. Right. So, yes, it, it is a, a huge thing that I'm conscious of and it has been something that has been said to me, but I just, I don't know, I think I think if I'm ever going to be anything other than myself, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just the answer. I just got to be me. If I want to share something about somebody I care about, whether it's family or a relationship, I honestly feel I'm entitled to. And I think that that kind of stuff, because there is so much, you know... uh as we were talking about how people, you know, with, um, and I don't know if you saw this, but I was watching um, the Joe Rogan podcast with Elon Musk. Yeah. And they were talking about Instagram and how, like we were talking about, people can literally just design their life in squares uh, and depict it whatever way they want to. I think it's important that I share the normal parts of my life, like a photo with my nephew or my niece. My brother has two little kids. Um, or like a photo with my brother or my mom or my dad if we were out for dinner on one of their birthdays or, you know, I mean, I also do though, you know, uh, understand that they may not want to be in the limelight and that's fine. Uh, and I would always ensure, you know, obviously I'm not at a stage that it's 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 any crazy amount of attention but um, or any attention at all. But uh you know, if it ever did get to that stage, I would always ask them first to make sure they'd be okay with it. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's like, if I want to share that, I, I think I'm, you know, I'm allowed to. And I think it's important that I do. And, you know, uh, like my girlfriend is in my vlogs mm. and she doesn't have an issue. Like it's it's not something I push down, you know, people's eyes, if you know what I mean, on YouTube. And, and you know, I'm not one of them. Like there's plenty of like couple vloggers on on youtube and they vlog as couples and they're like couple channels that's not what i'm doing i'd never want to be that or do that but like when i think you know my family or relationships are in smaller aspects of my career i think i think it's nice yeah totally is it something so when when your girlfriend first connected with you online was she was she a fan no 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 okay i don't well i mean she certainly saw one of the videos of me singing. Yeah. And was like, oh, Jesus, he's really good. Uh, you know, girls, will I message him? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I can only imagine that's what happened. And that was pretty much it. But like, no, she wasn't, I wouldn't go and say she was a fan fan. Yeah. So. And have, have you ever had to have a conversation about like, or is there ever uh, monitoring of like, you know, jealousy or something of the fact that like so much of your demographic is like young females? No, absolutely not. She's the coolest person ever. Right. So like, she's just so laid back and, and she's uh, she's lovely. Like she'd never... She'd never be like that at all. And, and and she's she's come with me to one or two of the school tours to help out. And, you know, she'll text me a, a YouTube idea if she comes up with one. And she's, like, fully supportive of it. And, like, we're complete opposites. Really? She's not into music. She's not into... She wouldn't be musical herself or into performing. or And I, I think it's also the whole thing, you know, the way they say opposites can attract. Yeah. So it's... um I think we've got a really good dynamic between the two of us, which just works really well. Yeah, amazing. Right, man, we have time for one more. Let's yeah, do it. Yeah, cool, let's do it. 
Alright, here we go. Number 26. Do you have it? I don't. No. You know it used to me anyway. If that's the last one, I'm not going to get these six at this stage. <laughs> yeah, alright, here we go. Number 26. The question is, oh, kind of a nice way to end on, what is your most treasured relationship with someone over the age of 65? Um, I'll probably tweak that question a little bit. Sure. And say, my dad, he's, I think he's 61. Okay. It's pretty close. Yeah. Um, but I would say my dad, hands down. Mm. What What is it like... What is it about the two of you that just click in the way you do? Um, we're just the same. Really? Oh, we're just the same. Like he's, while, like he started out in music and, and, and taught me how to play guitar and like he's probably as OCD as I am about things and you know, he's a real kind of go-getter and like would never be sitting down and he, he always has to be doing something or being productive on a particular day and I'm identical. I'm, I'm exactly that way and we just, we just get each other. So I'd say that's definitely my most treasured relationship. Is that was that the question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hands down. Yeah. Are there any aspects of? I heard something really interesting, and I heard I was listening to a podcast today, and they were talking about like how the older you get, the more you realize you're just turning into your dad. And they were saying, <laughs> they, they they were saying like the thing like they're like, but you get you hit, you hit a certain age where you're like, oh, I think I just need to call my dad and be like, how do I like not get the bad stuff? Like, yeah. do, do you ever are there aspects that you're like, this is great, you are ninety percent brilliant, but there is this ten percent I don't want. Yeah, um, I you see, the the 10% that I don't want is also the part that I do want. Right. So the thing with me and my dad, and we're both the same, is that if we don't have a day that, we're, that we would classify as productive or get certain things done, or just even if it's little tasks or jobs, it's like, no, I'm just not feeling good or I'm feeling down or that was a shit day or I just didn't get what I wanted to get done. And it's like, you know... It, that goes back to, you know, I just wish I could be a bit more relaxed. Like, that's an aspect that's in me, that's in him, that we're, like, fixated of we got to be going 100 miles an hour or, you know, because it's, you know, it's my dad is this expression that, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, it was built yesterday. Hmm. That's that's his one. So it's it's kind of like life is too short, go and get it now. Um, and, you know, I firmly believe in that as well. So it's... Uh, it's it's it has good and bad parts to it, and um, but when it's good, it's really good because obviously it, it it makes me a person that wants to stay motivated and go and do things as opposed to not. Yeah, man, absolutely, kind of a nice way to end. Simon, thanks so much for doing it. Would you do me a favor? Um, I will. Uh, there are a ton of different social media bits, all the gigs, all that sort of stuff. And um, will you tell us where the people can find you? Yeah, absolutely. So basically, all of my links generally are at Simon James Official. So the platforms I'm most active on would be kind of Instagram and YouTube. Uh, at the moment, as I was explaining to Tom, I'm pretty much uploading almost daily on YouTube now. So uh, just Simon James Official on YouTube, same on Instagram. Snapchat uh, is Simon James Music. I'll be doing a lot of vlogging and stuff on that and a bit more. I try and do a bit more of the raw stuff on Snapchat and the same for Facebook. And I am on Twitter as well. I'm, I'm everywhere, but, uh, you know, it's just if you Google me, you'll probably just find me. Uh, at the moment, I've no major upcoming gigs, but I'm releasing a lot of original music um, and all my music is on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, two singles uh, I recently released there. Um, and I'm getting good feedback from them and I have another new single coming out in a couple of, uh, I'd say a month or two. All things going well. I'm very excited for that one. So um, just, yeah, a lot happening, but just get onto my socials and, and you'll be able to see it all. We should also say that um, uh, we first met 
doing the Irish Youth Music Awards, you explained it very succinctly, but basically you won Best Song for the Meath branch. Uh, and Which won- was, I'm sorry, was a terrible song. I remember about it. it now. I remember it was it, an awful, awful song. <laughs> I mean, but it was like, I mean, whatever you think about the song, it was undeniably catchy. Yeah, I know, but it was like teeny bop. I mean, I think the song was called Cupid. It was. It's like, oh. If I could be Cupid. That's it, that's it. Uh, it was great. I loved it. We did well. Well, I mean, it was good enough, wasn't it? Because we, because uh, me. You guys won- did a great job performing it. Well, I mean, we won that. Yeah, we won that year. We won the, the overall thing with your song. We played one of our originals. Did you guys? Yeah, we won the, the, the like, the All Ireland Irish oh, Music Awards. Sick. Yeah. You see, you guys were a great band, though. Well, I mean, we had a good song. We, yeah, we got to play one of our originals and we played your, we like made your original, our original, yeah. Yeah, sick. No, it, no, it was, it was fun. It was fun, but it was just like, like moments like that. I got into BIM and I went, oh, Simon, you need to really rethink things now. This whole teeny bop thing isn't going to work here. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's when I really had to have a look at my uh, songwriting repertoire, but yeah. Yeah, it's, well, I mean, it's pretty cool that, you you know, to be able to see, like, the evolution of it, because, I mean, it's all about that growth, isn't it? Like so. Absolutely, and it's interesting. That's why I document and vlog everything, because it's interesting to be able to look back on all of that, and, and also people can see that, you know, I didn't just come out from behind a rock all of a sudden as this, like, you know, person who can songwrite and do YouTube videos. It's I've been working at this for years. Yeah, man, absolutely. Well, Simon James, thanks so much for playing Personality Bingo. Thanks for having me, Tom. Appreciate it. So guys, that was a brilliant Simon James playing personality bingo. Simon, I know you're flat out with all the stuff that you're up to, but if you are listening, thank you so much for taking the time to come in and chat to me. It was an absolute pleasure. Uh, please do check Simon out on his YouTube, on his Instagram. Um, the content is, it, it, it's flowing at the rate of knots, uh, and it's also really good to boot. So go and check that out, uh, as you're going to hear, uh, as you already heard. Simon's a lovely dude, and, and uh, I hope um, that uh, everything goes as well as it has been going for him in the future. Um, in other news, the podcast as always will be coming to you every Sunday um, I do want to say that if you are enjoying the podcast please pass it on to a friend you know a really effective way to do it is obviously through social media because I mean loads of people are going to see it which is obviously great for us because we put this out so that you people can enjoy it and anyone else who hasn't found it yet can find it and then go on to enjoy it but another really effective way is literally just saying it to a mate I mean it's always uh, impactful I suppose for you to say it to a mate it means kind of nothing coming from me I make the podcast I hopefully and I do think that it's good but um, it doesn't really mean much coming from me what it needs is um, your support and if you say it to a mate hopefully your mates trust you and hopefully they might take a punt and have a listen to an episode so uh, I'd massively appreciate it if you can do that and if not no worries maybe take the time to just give us a rating on um, iTunes whether that's a good rating or a bad rating wherever you think I don't mind I'm not one of these podcasts to say like don't give it a bad rating give it a rating whatever whatever you want to do um, but obviously five stars makes a huge difference but if you think it's shit I'll take a one star I can take a punch um, but uh, any kind of iTunes ratings uh, reviews comments anything like that I know you probably hear it all the time but it's only because it's true it actually does make a difference and it would mean the world if you could take the few seconds to do that um, in order news the thank yous as always a massive thank you to the brilliant Erin Lindsay for mixing editing and producing the podcast to the wonderful Leah Moore and Anthony Manley for their 
awesome theme music. I haven't said awesome in ages and it felt terrible. Uh, and also to the excellent Connor Nolan for his gorgeous artwork. Um, and last but certainly not least to the wonderful Alan Bennett and Paddy O'Leary for having us as part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. I, I wanted to give a quick shout out to one of the other podcasts on the network, the brilliant No Encore Podcast. No Encore uh, Podcast is a, a music podcast and primarily hosted by the wonderful Dave Hanratty. Dave is a, a guest from the show, one of my favourite episodes actually. Uh, Dave would have been back in our first 50 or so episodes I reckon. Uh, it's an incredible episode. We really get into it. It's super honest. It's super interesting. Uh, super vulnerable and um, there's one of my favourite episodes to be Dave, someone who I'd love to have back on down the line um, if we keep this thing going and maybe go on to like some repeat guests. Uh, he's a gentleman, but I wanted to give them a shout out because recently they got, um, basically the Irish Times said they were the shit from their live show uh, at Electric Picnic. The work they do is deadly. They have great bands on. I mean, their live shows are famous for um, just brilliant, brilliant acts and brilliant quality music. And Dave is a really, really incisive uh, journalist and someone who I just have a, a lot of time for. So a little plug for the No Anchor guys. Go and check them out. Uh, if you're not going to check them out check something else out on the Headstuff Podcast Network I mean the list is endless and if you like this podcast there's a great chance you're going to like something else on the network so as always a massive thank you to Alan Bennett and Paddy O'Leary for having us as part of the network guys tune back in next week for another episode of Personality Bingo with Tom Tom Moore. Moore.